0: Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, amen. And no, that's not something that happens every Sunday, but we have been walking this road with Mandy for all these years, and to see the culmination, again, of something that you and I were uh, unaware of that was even a a possible fix, and to see God use that, Within 48 hours, actually probably closer to about two, she had relief from the stuttering. Uh, And so, again, we just give God all the praise. So, yes, I I shared with you that I was going to preach furiously. That didn't mean on an anger level, but on a very quick level. I preached a revival at Tulsa, Oklahoma years and years ago. And on the second day, one member asked the other member, what do you think of our preacher? And he said, well, he don't stutter. I can preach fast. And so let's stand for the reading and reverence of God's holy word, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And yes, we discovered in first service that this is going to be a series. Uh, we're going to finish this message, or at least attempt to, tonight. And we'd love for you to be with us tonight. Uh, we'll share more about all those details here in a moment. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God... That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Just for a moment, let's think about that. When we look at the cross of Christ and what Jesus did on the cross for yours and my sins, anything he would ask us to do for him is reasonable. Look at verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, we ask you to add your blessings to the reading and preaching of your holy word. In Jesus' precious and holy name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. To launch us into this look and study about the word transformation, we have the chart of... God's Pattern for Revival and Spiritual Awakening. This is from Henry Blackaby. Henry Blackaby is famous for writing the book study, Experiencing God. Experiencing God is based on Moses having seven realities of this life that God called him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Once those children of Israel got out of Egypt and got into the land of Canaan, the book of Judges introduces us to this pattern. You see point number 1 here with this right here not of the message. Point number 1 is God is on mission. When you and I listen to fill in the blank news, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, we know that this world isn't a mess. The reason that this world is in a mess is not because an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God has taken his hands off and just waiting to see what's going to happen. That's what the world believes. The world is in a mess because every one of us have chosen by birth, by nature, and by choice to sin. You see, this mess is our fault. It truly is. And You and I need to understand that God is on mission trying to reach these lost people because he loves us. He loves us. Just as the song says, you may be on lockdown, but Jesus has the key and he's looking for you and me. Well, once we come to faith in Christ, God's people, we need to help him redeem the lost. Problem is, is that we're sinners too. And we go in, if we're not careful, to this cycle before we pass on, if you will, to redeem the lost. And so when you look at that cycle, you depart. One of the greatest moments in any person's life is when they come to faith in Jesus Christ. They accept Christ as their Savior and their sins are forgiven. They feel that. It's like taking that first bath that you don't remember as a baby. But it wasn't a once and for all bath. It was your first bath. And when you get saved, that's your first bath. But a lot of times, (laughs) that's the only cleansing that we do. We come to the church and we say, I've been saved. And and if we're not careful, you know, because they'll come up in an invitation time and the preacher says, sit right there. And that becomes the Great Commission. (laughs) Sit right there. No, this what you're doing right now is not the Great Commission. The Great Commission lies outside of these walls, church. You and I sit right here to be trained, to be equipped. To, it's like going to that full service gas station that there are none uh, anymore. But, but it's, you're getting your tires kicked. You check the gas. You change the wipers. You get ready for Monday through Saturday. But the problem is, is if we're not careful, we haven't been discipled and we don't know how to handle those daily temptations and we depart. Well, God loves us enough to discipline us. He's trying to get our attention and then we cry out to God because of the judgment that comes and we repent or perish. Now, that's for a whole nother time to talk more about. The good news is you're all here, so you're okay at this point. (laughs) Watch this. You got to get to number six. When we repent, revival happens. I'm convinced that revival can be a constant state of existence. We've just got to keep repenting. I believe that yours and my goal in life now, through discipleship, spiritual living, uh, wearing the armor, living out our spiritual gift, I believe it's possible to get this circle so small that you don't have long periods of departing from God. That's why we call it keeping short accounts with God. So number six is what we want to look just for a moment today, and, and certainly we'll finish it up tonight. This morning I want to zero in on this phrase number 6 in Henry Blackaby's pattern for revival and spiritual awakening. We've we've looked at 1 through 5, so here's number 6. God revives his repentant people by restoring them to a right relationship with himself. So we are certainly taking for granted that 1 through 5 is well established in your heart and mind, we're going to talk this morning about what a right relationship looks like and perhaps, for a lack of a better way to say it, how to maintain this revived state of existence. There is a statement that I feel like best describes, if you will, the accomplishment and what is the intended purpose of a relationship with God outside of the glory of God. We all know the verse that says, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. But in other words, we know that, and you and I are in a relationship with God to bring glory to God, but what does that look like on our side? On our side, it looks like this statement. Jesus and Jesus alone is our only source for significance and security. Jesus and Jesus alone is our only source For significance and security. That is not my brainchild. That comes from Charles Stanley that wrote the book My Source. I believe that's the title of it. And lifted this statement out of that book. Jesus and Jesus alone is our only source for significance and security. In other words, church, God is enough. We've talked, I mean, look at Mandy's situation. Look at what we've already talked about in form of our prayer request for this uh, young child and the such. These are things that none of us would sign up for. These are things that none of us would do well in necessarily. But watch this, because of God, we can do well in them because he is enough. Mandy wasn't depending upon that doctor as smart as he is. Guess where he got his smartness? God. God wasn't depending upon that. I'm sorry, Mandy wasn't depending upon that hospital. They were depending upon God. We as a church were depending upon God. And look what he did. You live your life for God and God alone. Now, instantly, we see the problem and we see why we need to be revived. Anything and everything that you look to outside of God to give your to give you significance and security becomes an idol. Now, Don, the lesson that you were studying for about idols, is that next Sunday? All right, so Don was studying uh, about idols, which is the Sunday school lesson for next Sunday. And we talked about this reality. Anything can become an idol in our lives. And when it does, it becomes a sin. And it puts you and I in great need for revival. I'm asking God that the Holy Spirit will put his finger on issues and areas and things that you and I are putting before him. Idols, areas that you are gaining your significance or security from, and it's leaving you hungry. Church, I'm telling you, I'm 58 years old. There is nothing on this planet that feeds you like Jesus. Nothing that sustains you like Jesus. It's leaving you thirsty. It's leaving you desolate, and he's dealing with that in you. Another way to put that same phrase in sentence is, anything you're giving a greater emotional intensity to than Jesus has become an idol unto you. It would behoove you and I to take a moment and ask ourselves this question, what excites us? What thrills us? Everything that excites and thrills the Christian should be connected to Christ on some level. So here this morning, we're going to discuss how to maintain a right relationship with God. What does a right relationship with God look like? And how do we keep it going? Now, there's one more life-changing statement I want to share with you because the reality is is there's not a person in here that can maintain that right relationship with God on a fever pitch from this point to our death. Not one of us. It's kind of similar to when you as husband and wife, for our couples in here, that first three to six months of your relationship, that can't continue. You can't afford it. You can't survive it. Your heart will give out. So on and so forth. But it's wonderful. While it happens, and again, for the Christian, that's that first three to six months to a couple years that you get saved and you realize, oh my goodness, I'm going to heaven. That's exciting. But it levels out. But once it levels out, you've got to make sure that you can maintain a right relationship with God. So that's why Paul said, I die daily. That's why Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press on toward the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. What is that high mark? To be conformed to the image of God. So the trick, if you will, the key to maintaining is doing just that. Every time you sin, keeping short accounts with God, that's maintaining. You're going to fall, but what do you do after you fall? One of my favorite messages is a man after God's own heart, and one of the key points to life, to the life of David was that after he did the wrong thing, he did the right thing, and so the greatest way to maintain a right relationship with God is to keep short accounts with God, to keep confessing so the statement that i promised you is this life is a series of new beginnings church tomorrow morning is a brand new start this morning was a brand new start life is a series of new beginnings that's from john smith every day is going to be a new beginning every time you fail New beginning. Every time you get sidetracked, new beginning. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today is how to maintain that right relationship with God. So first of all, we want to put a word to what a right relationship with God looks like. What does a right relationship with God look like? The word simply is transformation. Transformation. Now, most of you know my favorite joke About the church is when in the dusty old town, the one room church, this is back in the western days, was on fire. And in those days they had one trough of water and all the townspeople gathered together and scooped up water and ran to the building on fire and tried to put it out. So the preacher was running neck to neck with the town drunk to put the fire out. And the preacher sarcastically said, well, haven't seen you come to church in a while. And the drunk said, I haven't seen the church on fire in a long time either. (laughs) Yeah. Our world is looking for transformed lives. Please hear me. I'm trying to be facetious just a little bit. But sometimes one of the worst things you can do is tell somebody you go to church. They ought to just see it. They they ought to be the ones. I can tell you go to church. I can tell you've made some decisions in your life. I I can tell you're different than the world. Folks, that's transformation. And let me tell you this. If you do tell people you go to church, you better show them that you are different. We've already read the verse. A right relationship with God is a life that has been transformed, is being transformed, and will continue to be transformed. So point number one, and the last point of this morning's message, transformation does not happen without communication. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We pray it every Sunday morning that you and I would spend time with God Monday through Saturday the way we do. And and when we say the way we do, we're meeting obviously without the crowd without here at the building, without all of the accoutrements that God has provided us as a church. Now this is you and God, you and your wife, you and your family, you and your husband, whatever the case may be, and you're pursuing God. There is nothing to replace that. Nothing. There is nothing better There's a lot of things that are as good. But there's nothing better than one-on-one communication Monday through Saturday. Church, you think we're having a high-hold time right now? You let 50 to 90% of this crowd, and I'm not saying you're not. I'm not. But I'm just telling you, as we deal with God in the trenches of the day-to-day warfare, you will come to this service on fire. You may come on fire for, you need more fire. You may come on fire because you need some answers to help so-and-so at work. You may come on fire to share what God, I mean, whatever the case may be. You you may come figuratively crawling your way in here because you've been beat up but you will know that God got you to this point because every morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever your time is, you pursued God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you daily worship what does this look like healthy communication in your relationship looks very similar to what healthy communication looks like in a marriage church i'm telling you right now you know whether you have healthy communication in your marriage or not you know it and i can tell you that brother ben and don have not always had healthy communication and it still to this day is a challenge we've got a saying here at the church we used it this morning with tom when I surprised Tom with something. (laughs) That was just payback, right, Tom? No, I'm messing with it. Communication is a beautiful thing when it happens. And that's from Keith Ragsdale. Communication is a beautiful thing when it happens. And if it's not happening in your relationships, you're struggling. And I'm telling you right now, if you're not having this communication with God, that might be the reason you're struggling in those other relationships. Do you know what I have found when I mistreat other people? God gets in my face. The core principle, love God, love others. So what is communication when it happens? Listen, it happens often. It is honest. It is vibrant. It is fun. It is heated. (laughs) When it is broken, it is repaired quickly. And church, It is effective. When you communicate to God, it changes your relationship pretty much like nothing else. So we're almost to the end here. I want to share with you. I'm going to work this around. This is something that Sister Debbie Hines and Craig Licklider has brought to us. But it is in 100% keeping with what we've been preaching on, what we've been experiencing talking about and such of that nature and when you look at acts chapter 12 verse 5 you get introduced to what maximum prayer effort looks like acts chapter 12 1 through 5 now about that time herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church and he killed james the brother of john with the sword and because he saw it pleased the jews can you imagine this type of evil When this king saw that it pleased the Jews to kill somebody, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to the four quantarians of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Prayer was made without ceasing, of the church unto God for him. Now, we started this several years ago in response to our nation's need for the right leader for our nation. In my humble opinion, and no, this church does not align itself with a particular, uh, if you will, political ideology. We align ourselves with the word of God, and we are pro-life. And as a result, most of the people, if not all the people we vote for are pro-life because we believe that's one of the main issues of our day. We love any and everybody, and we're trying to reach all folks. So if we disagree, we'll sit down and disagree agreeably and see if we can't work for common ground. But this is what the first church did in the book of Acts when their leader, their pastor was taken And they were going to kill him. And when you look at this, the actual meaning of those verses made prayer without ceasing means to the stretching of the ligaments. They didn't just bow their head and fold their arms. They got totally involved. And you will read later down in that chapter, God miraculously delivered Peter as a result. Church, it will be nothing less than miraculous if God delivers the nation out of what she's in right now. And it's never going to happen until we, as God's people, pray with maximum prayer effort. So what Craig and Debbie and your pastor are asking you to do, and they they have done this, and I'm so grateful and thankful, claim claim a 30-minute slot. Now, in a perfect world, what we would love to see is you not, Double up until all the 30-minute slots are taken. But the bottom line is we want you to pray. So if your 30-minute slot has already been signed up, just sign up with them. But if you can, if you can sign up on a slot that hasn't been taken, that's what we're asking you to prayerfully do. But ultimately, we're asking everybody to claim a 30-minute slot. Dawn and I would be at that 530 uh, slot, 530 and six. Uh, and so someone else has already signed up, but that's when we pray. We've been doing that now uh, for almost a year. We seek the Lord's face. Now, we don't put 30 minutes on it, but we pray until we're done, and then we go about our day. We're asking you to prayerfully consider to do the same thing. What are you going to pray about, someone asked. First of all, uh, we believe the Holy Spirit is able to lead, guide, and direct you in that. With that said, we also believe it's nothing wrong with organization, so we'll be getting prayer lists out to help in that area. (laughs) Selfishly, I'll ask you to start with me, okay? Start with the pastor of your church, then your church, your Sunday school leader, your CR leader, your AWANA leader, whatever the case may be. Pray for the lost of our community. Pray for yourself, your family. You know, uh, pray for the holiness of this nation. Pray for the salvation of this nation. Now, remember, God answers general prayers generally. He answers specific prayers specifically. You ought to be naming names. You ought to be naming names. Well, Brother Ben, I don't know if my dad's saved. Name. I don't know if my mom is saved. Name. I don't know if my neighbor is saved. Name. So on and so forth. And don't be shocked when those people come to you and say, Hey, I've been been thinking about what's going to happen when I die. Now, you might do like Mr. Smart in that movie. You might think you're going to the cone of silence and go, Praise you, Lord! Oh, my goodness! ah!" Now, what was that? Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) Act like you're ready for it. Act like you... Cool. I kind of thought this was coming. Let's sit down. In church, please hear me. Y'all really should have laughed a whole lot more with that. I've watched that movie recently. It's a really funny spot in the movie. But the bottom line is, is that we are shocked when God answers our prayers, aren't we? Oh, well, I didn't know he was going to do that. But you prayed about it two weeks ago. We ought not to be shocked when God honors. Remember that phrase? The prayers that originate from the throne room of God, he answers. And so when he lays it on your heart to pray for someone or something, don't be shocked and surprised when It happens. Church, I'm convinced we're leaving a lot of good power up there on the table. We need to ask God. Let's stand, musicians, will you come? If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, if you'll come forward, I'll send you with someone gender appropriate. They'll share the gospel with you. Maybe you just want to turn this into an old-fashioned altar, whatever the case may be. Some have signed up after first service. You feel free to come up here. This will be in the foyer for about a month. And then after that, we'll move it to another spot in the church to free up the foyer for other things that we want to do with it. But this will be here. We want you to, we want you to pray.